Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Community Matters here on 103.7 WEEI. I'm your host, Scott Kardashian. Glad you could join us. Community Matters is the show that comes your way each and every week and keeps you up to date and in touch with many of the great things happening in and around our communities here in the state of Rhode Island, in eastern Connecticut, and in southeastern Massachusetts. And this week, as we get close to wrapping up Black History Month, we are joined by a very special guest, recently retired engineer for the United States Coast Guard, Carney F. Coopwood is our guest. Mr. Coopwood, good morning. How are you? Just fine, thanks. And yourself? I'm doing great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on your recent retirement and on a wonderful career that I want to talk to you about over the next few minutes. You certainly are quite an accomplished young man, I'm going to call you, and uh, congratulations again on your retirement. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Carney, I want to take things in chronological order, first of all. You were born and raised in Gary, Indiana, correct? Absolutely. All right. Home of the Jackson Five, one of my favorites. And U.S. Steel. (laughs) And U.S. Steel. There you go. There you go. Um, You spent 19 years in government service. In fact, when you were young, you enlisted in the Air Force, did you not? Yes, I did. And served in Vietnam? Right out of high school. Right out of high school. And you also served in Vietnam, did you not? I most certainly did. Yeah. Tell me about that decision right out of high school. What were you thinking? Why did you decide to enlist in the Air Force? Well... First of all, I am a baby boomer, so I pretty much started my formative education in 1954, the same year that Thurgood Marshall argued the Brown Board as the Board of Education. When I graduated, I was 17, and you could not get hired anywhere unless you were 18, or there was some type of family ties. And my birthday was like six months away. And I knew that I was not going to be able to be employed. So I began to plan my exit from Gary by going to the military. Yeah, and and that took you to the Air Force. And what was your time like in the Air Force? And I guess even more importantly, what was it like serving during the Vietnam War? My father-in-law also served in the United States Army during the Vietnam War. But what was that experience like for you, Carney? Well, I'll tell you, there were many, many, many days that, the thought crossed my mind as well as in conversation that this is real. This is not a movie. This is not John Wayne, Gregory Peck. This is not uh, uh, Vic Morrow. This is real because uh, the experience 
was pretty much uh, my passage into manhood. Going in when I was 17, the average age of the Vietnam veteran was 19. So I had less than a year and a half to grow and begin developing. But uh, when it was over with, I realized that I had grown almost four years more than my peers. You would think that some of the things that were happening in the civilian world were not happening in the military, but we're all human. And sometimes the basics, let's say that first prayer that you learn, now lay me down to sleep. It was also taught to a young man out of Florida and a young man out of Pensacola, New York, or something like that, you know? Yeah. And some things are just inbred, you know, in us as Americans. So it was quite an experience for us. Yes, death was all around us, even in our leisure time. You know, you you had to keep your guards up for safety and mindful that, you know, the guy next to you is your protection. So you don't want to lose him. Right. Was it difficult also to serve in that war because, and I was only literally a young, you know, two, three-year-old child at the time, so I don't know, but was it difficult to serve in that war because there were mixed feelings in this country as to whether or not we should be involved in that war? No, it was not difficult because my objective was to do the best possible job that I could. I was a flight line maintenance mechanic. I thought I was pretty good at it. At first, I wasn't so good, but then I put my heart, my mind, and my soul into it. And I realized that if something were to happen to me, this would be the one and only opportunity that I would have to leave a record. And I want that record to be a very good record, a positive record, a beneficial record. And um, I learned how to do everything that a flight line mechanic was supposed to learn how to do. Now, the conflict came, and when we were around many of the natives, they would say things like, how is it that you're participating over here fighting for our liberation, and when you go home, you still have to encounter uh, strife? Right. You still are confronted by bitterness. You still are confronted with obstacles that have to be overcome. I had no answer for that. I didn't try to pretend like I had an answer for it. Now, as an older man, I, I look at it reflectively because it all matters. It all works into the individual that I've become and the lives that I have touched. When you were serving in Vietnam, you were uh, rotated on a variety of aircraft, but you were assigned to the F-100 Super Sabre Jet Fighter. What kind of aircraft was that, an F-100 Super Sabre Jet Fighter? Okay. The way it was explained, as I can recall, the F-100 was the beginning of the 100 series aircraft. There was 100, there was a 101, there was a 102, there was a 104, there was a 105 and a 106. While I was in Vietnam, I had a chance to see the F-111. But when that plane came along, that plane was more advanced than the F-100 itself. It was faster, and I guess it carried more fuel and more advanced weaponry. But the F-100 had 10 loading stations on it. 
there were two under the fuselage and eight on the wings. So that made it the workhorse of the Vietnam War. See a plane fully loaded, it kind of gave you a sense of pride because you knew when that plane took off, it was going to go and help some people that needed your help. And I was able to assist indirectly uh, from a distance. And I took pride in that, as did my buddies that worked with me on the flight line. Not necessarily on the same plane, but on the flight line. As well you all should have. So after you served in the war, in 1970 you relocated to Chicago and enrolled in mechanical drafting at the Chicago Skills Center. And I'm curious about this, if you can explain this to me. You landed your first detailed draftsman position with Amphenol, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a division of Bunker Ramo, and drawing phenolic connectors, micro switches, and a wide variety of unique piece parts for what would eventually become the Touchstone phone. That all sounds very, very complicated to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nowadays, everybody pretty much has a cell phone. We don't have landlines much unless you absolutely need one, let's say for a first alert system or something along that line. And the landline does give you a better connection because there's no no interference in the airways. However, at that particular point in time, Ma Bell was one of the large telephone companies in the nation. And they were going from the rotary dial phone, which most people have never seen nowadays, to a touch-tone phone where you had push buttons on the phone, and they usually came in white, beige, You might see a pink one. You could definitely find a red one and basic black. And when you would push the button, of course, there would be touch tones that could be heard in your ear. The company that I worked at, they were known for doing electronic interconnects. And somehow or another, they partnered with this company, Western Electric, which was a huge contractor for Illinois Bell. Carney, can I stop you right there? My dad worked his entire career for Western Electric, which later became, I think, Lucent Technologies before he retired. But my dad worked Western Electric in North Andover, Massachusetts. Yes. Well, the branch that I was familiar with, it was in Chicago, but it was on the way to my job. It was located on Cermak Avenue. Huge brown structure. Huge. Maybe about three blocks long. Yep. So tell us how you wound up here in Providence as uh, a member of the Civil Engineering Unit for the United States Coast Guard. I applied for a position as a engineering technician. I was working at a VA hospital there just outside of Chicago as the engineering draftsman, and I had been there for about five years, and I was looking for advancement. Coming from the private sector, You know, you go from job to job looking for advancement. And I could not advance in that one position because there was a ceiling. It was just a one grade position. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to advance, I had had to, you know, participate in programs, learn how to work the system, and, you know, see if, in fact, the system would work for me. I applied for positions in the Midwest, found none. And I broadened my horizons. I said, well, let me see what I can do here. Let me broaden my horizons. That would include all 48 or 50 states. 
if I want to go there, I guess I still got a job. If not, then I'm going to have to look elsewhere. And when I landed the position, I was being mentored at the time. When I landed the position, I went and I told my mentor, I said, I've been offered a position on the edge of the continental United States. And she goes, what? I says, yes. It's on the edge of the continental United States. I said, I can't go any further east without going into the ocean. <laughs> and she laughs. <laughs> well, for but, a Midwestern for me, guy, you know, I mean, you grew up in Indiana and lived in Chicago, so I understand how that would be a big change for you, right? I had basic training in Texas, and, you know, <laughs> the closest that I got to to even one of the shorelines was flying over it on my way to Vietnam and then coming back. <laughs> so having the opportunity to come to Rhode Island, it was a it was a definite game changer for me. It was a different experience. I didn't know anything about the East Coast. I knew some people from the East Coast, had met some people from the East Coast, but I didn't know I didn't know what I was going to be coming to, albeit I looked forward to it. Am I correct in saying that we are unfortunately going to lose you very shortly to the state of Tennessee? Yes, you are. I have a very beautiful and intelligent daughter who is in Tennessee, and hopefully I will have a chance to go down and enjoy some time with her and her daughter and see some new places and return to my passion of teaching. Oh, what will you teach? I teach the kindergarten through third grade age students. I mentor them and tutor them. As a matter of fact, I was with the Rhode Island mentoring program down in Warwick. Oh, that's terrific. And as you know, nothing's more important than family. So I'm thrilled to hear that you'll be relocating to be with your daughter and your granddaughter. That is wonderful. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Carney, as part of your mentoring, you have an interesting story to tell about mentoring a young man in India Point Park. Can you tell us that story, if you can? Yes. The mentoring for he and I progressed to the point where we were able to spend time together away from the school system, which for me was a bonus because I wanted to fulfill the various needs that I saw in his life. And despite the fact that we came from different backgrounds, me being African-American, him being Portuguese, I felt that as a teacher, I had a responsibility to fill in as many of the gaps as I possibly could, prepare him for life. So as we were going across the 195 uh, walk into India Point Park, we began to walk around the shoreline of the park and there's markers there. And one of the markers indicate that this was a spot where there were the slaves were traded right on this spot. And, of course, him being a young man, he had questions for me. And as I answered his questions, I realized within myself, I cannot grimace, nor can I hold back. I have to tell him the truth. And one of the things that I came to grips with there is a lot of history within our country, yet we keep having these fringe groups, if, if you may, for lack of a better term, that want to change history. They want to change history because it either makes them look ugly or they don't want to remember that. Well, you know, in the process of the human body 
advancing from childhood to adulthood, you're going to get some scars, okay? Mm-hmm. The pain will go away, but the scar is going to remain. And with that scar, there's going to be a story. And you might be able to tell that story to benefit someone else. So as I was speaking to him, he asked me questions that a child would ask. As a matter of fact, when he first met me, he said, are you from Africa? And I hesitated for a minute, and I could not allow him to see a negative reaction in me. And I was mindful of that. And I simply asked him this question. I said, you know, that is an honest enough question. I said, I am not from Africa. I'm from the Midwest right here in the United States. He says, oh, he says, most of the black people that I've seen are from Africa. Okay. And that generated an entirely different discussion. Unfortunately, as adults, our mindsets are jaded because of how we feel or certain incidents and what have you. And we cannot have a innocent, open, honest conversation about race relations, advancement, and growth. And that's what is extremely necessary. So I think that was a very, very important moment of growth between he and I. We have an excellent relationship. As a matter of fact, he looks at me as a father figure, and I'm proud to have him as a son. That's a wonderful story. Carney Coopwood is our guest, retired engineer for the United States Coast Guard here in Providence. And, uh, Carney, you talked about it earlier, uh, about, you know, the difficulty you face, not just, you know, uh, fighting in Vietnam, but coming back to this country and being a black man in the United States where things still weren't right. As you look at where we are today, as someone who is still a community activist, and where are we in your eyes in terms of race relations? And look, I know things could be way better than they are, but where would you say we are as a country right now, as a society, when it comes to equality and all that goes along with that? Race relations in this country, it still has a long way to go. And I say that because of the multiple experiences that I have had. There is still exclusion that takes place. There is still discrimination that takes place. And I experience a lot of hostilities, both as a black man and as a Vietnam veteran, you know, because there were some people that had no appreciation for the sacrifices that uh, the young men were making going to another country. They just couldn't fathom in their mind that you follow orders to go over there and fight in that unjust war. Well, we didn't know that it was an unjust war. So how do you answer that? You can only account for what you know. Right. But you don't know, you can't account for that. Right. And as an older gentleman, I like to try to let whatever little tidbits of wisdom that I have prevail because you can't always run into a burning building to get everybody out. You got to prepare your entrance. And usually from what I've seen, firemen put water in that opening and then someone goes in so that nothing collapses on them and no one is burned. So as race relation goes, I think that we're still a system under work. Yep. Work in progress. Definitely. 
Well, Carney, thank you so much for your service to our country as both a member of the Air Force and here in Providence as a member of the United States Coast Guard. And thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Really appreciate your time. And most of all, good luck as you head on down to Tennessee. Thank you so much for having me. That is Carney Coopwood, retired U.S. Coast Guard member here in Providence, Rhode Island, our guest on Community Matters. My thanks to Carney for joining us this morning. My thanks to producer Laura Minicucci. And most of all, thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Scott Kordishi. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be sure to join us again next week for another edition of Community Matters with your host, Scott Kordishi. If your group or organization would like to be part of the show, email us at communitymatters at weei.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 